You're listening to the Every Student, Every Day podcast with me, Jim Franchini, Superintendent of the Averill Park Central School District. Welcome to this episode of the Every Student, Every Day podcast. Uh, over the summer, we've tried to reach out to some of our alumni, and we're very excited that we have a group of folks here who are graduates of Averill Park Central School District and have gone on to do some great and interesting things. And we thought we'd ask them to come back and participate in the podcast and tell our community about what they're up to and uh, some of their experiences and memories of Averill Park and uh, kind of bring that back back to the district. So thank you to the group that is joining us. We really appreciating, appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedules to be with us. And we thought we'd just start like we usually do and kind of go around the room and ask you to talk a little bit to our listeners about yourself, maybe the year you graduated from Averill Park, what you're doing now, uh, just kind of give us a little uh, quick bio. So why don't we start with you, Tom? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Tom Kiley. I am a class of 2014 graduate of Averill Park. Um, grew up and lived in AP my whole life. Uh, played sports my whole life, played football and basketball up in high school. And uh, I'm currently the director of basketball operations at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Great. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Molly. Hi. Uh, thank you so much. My name is Molly Streb. I'm the class of 2010 at Averill Park. I am happily a member of the state championship team for women's basketball of Averill Park of 2010 as well. Um, I'm currently the acting chief of staff at the New York State Department of Labor. I've been in government for about eight years and have had a couple, just a couple of different jobs that got me here, but it's been fun. Great. Thank you, Molly, uh, for joining us. Molly and Tom are former students of mine at Algonquin, so I will take credit for all their success. Uh, Kendall. So uh, thank you very much for having me here. It's just a really pleasure. Uh, my name is Kendall Hershey. I graduated from Maryville Park High School in 1980, so a long time ago. I enjoyed uh, playing football and baseball at Averill Park, ski club, all the fun stuff. And uh, I went on and got my PhD, and uh, now I'm a professor of pediatrics and human and molecular genetics at Baylor College of Medicine, where uh, I've been doing uh, research for a long time, and I've really enjoyed my job. Thanks for having me on. My name is Chris Tazi. Uh, I graduated in 2004 from APHS. I was a track guy and a runner, and I still am. Uh, and uh, I went on, I got a PhD in history. I taught for a while in Washington, but I came back home and uh, I now live in Troy and teach at RPI, where I kind of teach history, but also get to teach some other things too. Because RPI, as you may know, does not actually have a history department. Great, thank you. And Stephen. Uh, thanks for uh, having me aboard. Yeah, I'm Stephen Murray, class of 1995. Uh, I played football back in the day for the you know, APHS and stuff it was a good time. And currently, I'm the production director of Albany Broadcasting Company. I'm a voiceover actor. And my latest project is I'm the voice of the video game Knockout City by EA Originals and Vellon Studios. So, yeah, I'm a voiceover actor. Excellent. Thank you. What a great group we have. So we really appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us. As I said, you've all had very different journeys since leaving the district. Uh, can you give us a rundown of the path you took after high school. What has happened from high school to now in terms of college and jobs and all that good stuff? Uh, Chris, let me start with you. 
Sure. I mean, I guess I would say for the first decade or so after high school, my path was really pretty conventional. You know, I knew I wanted to be a history professor as early as high school. So I, you know, went to college and majored in history, and then I got a PhD in history. And then I was lucky because I was one of the few people, you know, in my year um, in graduate school to actually get a job, a tenure track job teaching history. So I did that for a while, but then around the time I turned 30, I started realizing, you know, I'm getting older, I want to have a family, right? I was married at the time, and it would be nice to live closer to my own family. Uh, and so at that point, through a sort of weird turn of events, my wife, who is not from this area, she's from Southern California, she got a job offer in Troy, and we said, well, let's move up there. And uh, I, at first, was actually still commuting to DC, but then eventually a job opened up at RPI, and the rest is history. So I took the RPI job, and I'm kind of living the dream now because I get an academic job, but I also get to be close to family, and my kids get to see their grandparents. It's great. Excellent. Thank you. Stephen, how about you? I, I did the uh, Hudson Valley routine and then went to uh, SUNY Albany because I wanted to pursue business, and uh, micro and macro economics are way too hard. So it took a little bit of time off when it's the, uh, you know, the field of just uh, – uh, you know, working at department stores. And then I heard a commercial about, you know, being becoming a radio DJ. And I went to the new school radio broadcasting and television and then kind of pursued my career from there as, as an on-air personality in Massachusetts and then into New York. And I slowly transitioned into voiceover acting and writing and advertising and then just took some classes and self-taught. And now I'm just kind of really focusing on my career as a voiceover actor and advertising and event hosting, I guess. So that's what I, that's what I kind of do for like the last, uh, gosh, 17 years, I'd say. Wow. Interesting. Kendall, how about you? So, uh, after I graduated high school, sadly, um, uh, I left the area. And so now I only go back uh, for vacations and, uh, usually in the summer. So I don't get back to Avril Park very much, but, uh, I went to university of Michigan for my undergrad and then, uh, got, and then got my PhD at the university of Arizona and then went to MIT for a postdoctoral fellowship, and uh, and have been and then from there came to here to Baylor College of Medicine uh, for my tenure track job, and I've really been here and raised my kids here in Houston, in Texas, and so I got a lobotomy and became a Texan, and uh, have started to enjoy that. <laughs> Molly, how about you? Um, I'm going to take a little of Chris's answer. Um, I definitely knew I wanted to be in politics or government from high school. Those are my favorite classes to participate in and be a part of. And with that, I wanted to go to school in DC. There was no better place to, to work in that world than the nation's capital. I went to the Catholic University of America. Um, I played on the women's college basketball team for a short while as well. I couldn't stay away. Um, but I'm glad I did, you know, team sports and team sports are actually a huge part of how I do my job today, honestly. So that's been hugely important. Um, after graduation, I came back to the Albany area and I worked in a state agency and then the governor's office out of the Capitol in Albany. And now I did that for five years, which was a really big learning experience. Um, again, super glad I did it though. But for the past two years, I've been at the Department of Labor based out of New York City. So my time in government has really taken me across across the state and um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. So that's what I got. Great. Thank you, Molly. And Tom, how about you? Yeah, so uh, played sports my whole life, was a 
average to below average basketball player at Averill Park for Coach Pugs and Coach Hirsch, but uh, didn't want to give it up. Um, went to Seton Hall University down in uh, New Jersey, right outside the city. Um, knew I wanted to be involved in sports still to some capacity. Um, walked up to the basketball office and asked to be a basketball manager for the team. Um, kind of started that way and just grinded my way from wiping up sweat and towels to organizing team meals and things like that by my senior year and travel with the team. Um, graduate from there and got my first job in coaching uh, at Virginia Military Institute. Um, just fell in love with Division One sports, fell in love with college basketball, um, and I was there for four years. Um, and my head coach just got the job here at Chattanooga this spring um, and took me with him. So um, I'll be going into my fifth year of coaching college basketball, and I kind of handle um, the travel and the logistics side um, as the youngest coach on staff. So, oh, Excellent. Thank you. So something we, we try to gear the podcast toward is our students, right, and especially our ones who are currently in our, in our district, as well as their parents who we know are the majority of our listeners. And we talk a lot about what would you tell your previous self or your Averill Park self or for our kids who are in high school, what would you say to someone in you know elementary school now? So kind of with that as a background, as you look back at your time, what did the 15-year-old version of yourself think about where you were headed? Where would you currently be with the path you took? What advice would you give that 15-year-old self um, what are your thoughts about that? Um, Kendall, why don't we start with you this time? Uh, great question. I love the question. Uh, so 15-year-old Kendall uh, had a good time at Averill Park High School, and so he has no regrets of the good time he had. And he would say to the older Kendall, I'm glad you had fun, right? I mean, there's a lot of fun things to do. I, You know, you get nostalgic for those times, right, as you get older, right, where you were playing games, playing sports, you know, getting outdoors all the time, having afternoon ski club, you know, all the little things that are fun about high school, right? Those are the things that mean a lot, are, are the memories I take with me. So I would say to students, uh, you know, there's a lot more than school, right? Uh, where you go to college, you know, don't stress about those kind of things, right? You'll go to school if you want to go to school. You know, going to the best school, it doesn't matter that much, just going to school, being, being curious the rest of your life, right? Don't just go to college and then get done with it, right? Enjoy your high school, enjoy your whole life, but just be curious and, uh, you know, don't take it too seriously. Great advice, thank you. Um, Molly, what advice would you kind of give and what do you think about that 15 year old version of yourself? <laughs> um, well, I agree with everything Kendall said, number one. If I could steal his answer, I would. Um, but no, I mean, if I had to say something to 15 year old me, it would be like, have fun with what you're doing. You know, like college is so close and it's so important, but you're going to get there, right? It's not, it's not going to slip away. It's not going to be out of your grasp. You're, you're going to school, you're taking the classes, you're putting in the work. You do that every day. As long as you do that and enjoy the time there it, it is going to be okay i definitely think when i was 15 years old i wanted someone to tell me that it was going to be okay and that you were going to get through it um and i absolutely did right and and that fear was was not necessary um i also had incredible teachers and coaches and friends that i'm still friends with to this day and 
you never thought that would be the case either. Um, so definitely hang on to those friendships, hang on to those relationships and, you know, stay in touch with people who've been a part of your path. I mean, it's, it's so important to, to bring that stuff with you, I think. So it's going to be okay. 15 year old Molly. So <laughs> good advice. Tom, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, I, when I was 15, I knew that I wanted to do something in sports um, just because I didn't have a lot of other interests, to be honest. I was pretty obsessed with sports my whole life. Um, but I did not think that I would be able to coach college sports as not being a good enough player to play in college. Um, and obviously that's not the case. So I would just tell my 15-year-old self to, you know, not necessarily put a cap on myself um, and that there's a different way to get to your goal than maybe the standard way that others have taken. Um, you know, I started to research people who had gotten to where I'm now and not played college sports and things like that. And it's been done um, and just set small goals like, hey, I want to go to college. and I want to be involved somehow um, in sports, whether it's, you know, on the broadcast side, whether it's on the managing side, whether it's just in the student section. I just want to be somehow involved. So just a small goal and just see where it goes. And you never know, you meet somebody at a, an English class and all of a sudden they're say, Hey, come to practice, et cetera. So. Fantastic. Thank you, Chris. No, <laughs> I think I would, I would steal all the answers that have been given so far. Um, I mean, this is a tough one, but I guess if I could go back in time, I would tell myself to be a little less serious and enjoy my time a little bit more because looking back, from my, you know, as an adult now, I realized how much free time I had and how much freedom I had as a 15 year old. But of course I didn't appreciate that at the time, right? I mean, now I've got kids and a job and houses to take care of. And it's just, it's, you know, I look back and I'm like, I had so much time. What did I do with it? And yet I know that I, when I was 15, I felt really stressed and like I had no time. So, so there's that, I don't know. I spent a huge amount of time working, you know, at minimum wage jobs. And I don't want to say I regret that because that was good. But, you know, in some ways I'm like, I kind of wish I'd spent a little more time with my friends and a little less time, you know, working for $5 an hour because, <laughs> um, you know, you can always work for $5 an hour, but you're not always going to, um, you know, be able to spend time with your high school friends. Everybody's going to move away. And to, to be clear, I mean, having a job is not a bad thing either. That's not what I mean. But, you know, prioritize the things that you're never going to be able to do again once you're, you're outside of high school within that. <laughs> Great. And Steven, how about you? I'd probably tell the 15 year old Steve that you're not going to be the next Patrick Ewing or Michael Strahan for like right from the beginning. Uh, and probably, you know, don't be so hard on yourself because that was my big thing. I would get, you know, just so stressed about a test or like AP biology. And, uh, you know, you kind of lose, lose touch with your friends during that time because, you know, because uh, uh, Chris was saying, you know, you don't have any time to do anything. So I, I'd say, you know, make time for your friends, gain new friends, have a broader, uh, broader, I, I guess, idea about, uh, you know, you, you don't have to be pigeonholed. You're not going to, you don't have to go to school for business and then be in an office or go, go to school for a, a certain field. Like that, that doesn't have to be your main focus. You should kind of broaden your approach to uh, things in life and friendships in general and, and not be so stressed. That's what I would say. Well, that's great advice. I have uh, children of my own in this age group. I think it's actually really good advice that I'm going to use myself. Maybe I'll make them listen to the podcast. It's, uh, it's good information to have, to kind of have that perspective and to look back. You know, we've talked a lot about your connection to Avril Park 
and uh, your experiences and memories. Specifically, though, um, do any memories stand out to you? Anything that you miss about Avril Park now that you've been removed for a while? I know varying um, time away, but what kind of stands out from your time here, either just in the high school or even your whole time in Avril Park? Um, my answer to that is super easy. Um, it is the friendships that I made and being part of the uh, state championship, the first one that the women's basketball team, I know they've done some winning since then, but we will take the the claim to fame as the first one, both state and federation. And honestly, the two of them, the two of those are absolutely connected. I am friends with a ton of my teammates 12 years later, um, been in their weddings, met their babies, the whole nine yards. Um, those were the same thing for me, right? That was a huge memory from high school and, you know, past couple decades of my young life and uh, both the state championship and federation of winning that was an unbelievable thing that I think a lot of people in our school and capital district maybe didn't think we'd be able to get there. And we did after a really successful, almost undefeated year, which of course I still remember 12 years later. Um, but it was, it's an awesome memory that, that I carry with me all the time. And, um, you know, with the friendship part, I talk to people all the time and don't realize how unique my friendship with my high school friends is. We've literally been friends since probably before 2006. And that's, you know, 14 uh, all, years, 15 all, years. Yeah. Molly's answer too. just say this. <laughs> not, the friendships. No. Yeah. And, you know, being a little older than Molly, I'm not going to my friend's kids wedding. <laughs> from my Wow. So, so, you know, the friendships are everything. I mean, mm -hmm. and deeper because of high school, right? You have college friends, you have work friends, but a high school friend, they know you at your idiotic moments. Yeah. Right? They, yeah. they have a depth of understanding with you that it's just, it's so meaningful. And I have so many friends from high school that I still keep in touch with. Some in Chicago. When I travel to Chicago, I stay with my friends in Chicago. When I travel to New York City, I travel with my old APH buddies that are living in New York City. You know, I have so my friends, maybe, unfortunately, some of them, some are still in upstate New York, which is good. So I can visit there, but they're all around the United States and I can visit them. And like Molly said, it's just it's the friendships that they're lasting your whole life. And if you make them last their whole life, it's going to it's going to it's going to be the biggest joys in your life because those friends, the depth you have with them is just amazing. And I just want to add one more thing to that of like the fact that the uniqueness of that situation. And I think the community and size of April Park is a huge contributing factor of that, right? We are not a huge school, but we're not a small school and people know each other, right? And I talk to people to this day and try to explain to them that I went on vacation with 25 of my high school classmates six months ago. And they're like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> that is so abnormal. And I'm like, what do you mean it's abnormal? We do this all the time. And, and like, you know, yes, basketball was a huge part of that, but my friends being on the team was just as big of a part in, in everything in between. So that's, those are my memories for me. So thank you. To piggyback on that, I think some of my best memories are just those long practices and, and weight room sessions with your friends um, you know, being in college sports now, you see people coming from all over the country and becoming really good friends when they get to college. But it's not the same, as Kendo said, as the kids that you grew up with, you know, from four years old. Like 
these are actually, you know, especially at a public school, these are the kids that live down the road from you. And you've spent so much time, done so many things um, over the years that those are just my favorite memories looking back of just these weight room sessions where we all thought we were going to go to the NBA and we were just, you know, grinding, grinding. And, you know, it all looking back, the weight was not important. It's not the strength. It was just being together with those people that, um, you know, I still go visit now that they live in Florida and other places as well. Yeah. Well, I could kind of build on this whole friend conversation. I think one thing I really miss about high school friends in particular is that, you know, as you get older and as you sort of specialize and focus in a certain career, I, I find that at least for me, I've tended to be surrounded by people who are more and more like me career-wise, more and more like me, I mean, socioeconomically, you know, to be frank. And one thing I really liked about Ava Park is that I had friends who were from all sorts of different backgrounds. I mean, I had, you know, one friend who lived on like an estate with horses and another friend who, you know, lived in a very small house and they used to get food from a food bank. I remember going to visit him. And I think that's, that, you know, for me, that was really great because it gives me an appreciation that not everybody in the world is like you. And it's kind of easy to forget that, you know, once you grow up. And at least as a professor, like you're surrounded by academics, they tend to all yeah, think. That, that's, I think that's a great point because uh, like, I mean, I'll disagree with something you said earlier that, you know, I liked working my minimum wage job for the same, for the reasons that you yeah. just said your answer, right? That I got to be around people that I wouldn't be around normally, right? And I know it's not Miller's supermarket anymore now there at the corner, but that's where I used to work. And it was a great place because all the kids from the high school worked there, right? It was a way to intensify our friendships by bagging groceries together and being around the girls at the checkout aisle. I mean, th those were the, the good moments, right? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, too, to go back, it, uh, I was playing for Coach Earl, uh, playing football for Earl, and uh, kind of the mental toughness that was instilled in me to overcome adversity, whether it was in the weight room, like that Tom had mentioned, working out with your friends and, uh, you know, them saying you can lift this way, you can do that, you know, the camaraderie, but just to overcome obstacles that you hadn't done in your life. Uh, that, that actually has stuck with me, you know, for these decades past where it's like, I can achieve this with a hard work day. I've done, I've overcome things in the past and I kind of, I've always used that, you know, that, that mini fire that, uh, kind of continues to, to keep me, you know, motivated as, uh, my career kind of goes on. So, yeah, I can agree with Tom and Molly and Kendall, Kendall has amazing hair. I don't know why no one has mentioned his hair this entire time. I'm so jealous of it. It's amazing. And that's well, what I'm if I could have <laughs> then everything would be good. Uh, well, I do want to say something again that Molly said that I thought resonated with me, too, is the idea that Avril Park is that right size, right? That the size is right, right? Like some of the stuff we're talking about, like in the weight room or trying to get, you know, trying to be, you know, make the football team better, right? You're small enough that you feel like it's us against them, right? And the friendships form because of that, right? And I have kids now that are, my kids are in big urban high schools. And they don't seem to have the relationships that I think I had as with my high school. And I think part of it's because of this dispersion of all the people. And there's too many people, right? I really do think that there's a sweet spot with the amount of kids in the high school, at least when I was at APHS, that really felt right. That you knew everybody. You got to be around all the different people. And, and I think it helps with, you know, the teamwork, the team, the camaraderie. It's just, it's a good mix. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just being, you know, in college athletics and recruiting all types of high schools from private schools to, you know, big public schools, things. I just loved the class size of it's not, you know, so small that you're going to have, you know, the same people over and over again. But it's big and it's, it's it just was the perfect size um, for the community that sporting events or, you know, plays and people would come out and support. But it was still 
you, you knew everyone. You knew everyone in your grade and things like that. And I'm going to go a little left on that, but just I think that size is is what contributed so much to everyone's experience, right? Like that was the huge driving factor of why certain things were that way and what I think everyone here is saying could take away from it, right? Like that setup that we all experienced was how we got a specific takeaway. Like I was a teammate you know, on and off the court. And that is some of the most important um, lessons that I use today. Like if I didn't have those team skills, I don't know if I could do the job that I'm in. If if you don't know what role you're playing or what the role of those people around you are playing, you're not gonna be successful sometimes. <laughs> and learning that so early as I did in on every, frankly, every team I played on, it it it's important. And I, it goes back to, the knowing everyone in the small size and and then everyone also being supportive. It was a super supportive community. You know, we had buses with handmade posters on them going across the state for our games. Like you, you know, for some people that's stuff from a small town movie, right? It is, and it's an absolutely rewarding experience that I, I do think you don't get everywhere else. So I still remember my parents who are not the biggest sports fans, but loading up the car and us driving up to see you guys play up in uh, yeah. Glens Falls just because yeah. everyone in town was going. Yeah. I just had a little epiphany here that <laughs> part of it about the size, about we're keep talking about the size, but for me, I wouldn't have played sports at a really bigger school, right? So part of my sports was that I could play football at Avril Park where I couldn't have played at Schenectady probably or a bigger school, right? So. Mm-hmm. I had more sports experience because the size, right? Because I could play on the teams. And so to me that, and like, I think that's kind of a theme that's coming through today in this podcast is we all have a lot of good memories about our sports at APHS, right? That those were real fun times uh, with our friends in the in, in sports. I think you mentioned too, you guys about the size of, you know, the community and the school. I mean, I think just the class size too, in general, because from my transition to Hudson Valley, which was about the same class size as Aver Park, then going to SUNY Albany and it's like lecture halls. And I could just see my, my grades just dropping and dropping because I, I kind of almost lost interest. You didn't have uh, anybody to lean on to, you know, chit chat about, you know, your professor or the notes or whatever. You're in a hall of like two, 300 people and it's like a disconnect. So I think just the the size of uh, the classes, at least back when when I was there, uh, through you know at uh, Everett Park and also Hudson Valley, kind of it really helped me personally too for my education. I'll mention too the, the the rural setting, right? Being in the woods, I think you get an experience that I should say being in the woods that makes it sound like we're, <laughs> you know really in the sticks. But I, you know some of my best memories of doing sports, at least like cross country and. And track was being able to run in the woods and you know we used to steal the tennis players balls and we had this big stash in the woods <laughs> couldn't do stuff like that and you know i don't know even in troy i assume because they don't have the woods but it added a certain element that some that's some of my best memories just being outside yeah football players we didn't like you track guys because you're way too fast you're faster than us and you're running <laughs> around the track while we're practicing on the field i was like man those guys are too fast i was just jealous it was a lineman so <laughs> the only thing we're good at is being fast <laughs> There's so many great takeaways from there, but it, it really is something we talk a lot about still is that we're kind of in this Goldilocks spot of not being too big and not being too small. And I think it gives us, we're big enough to offer opportunities for students that smaller schools can't or don't offer, but yet we're not so big 
that you're just a number or it's hard to participate in some of those uh, clubs and activities and sports. It's something we, we talk a lot about here in terms of we really are perfectly sized um, to experience things, participate things, have opportunities available to you. So it's, it's interesting to hear that over what has been a long time represented in this conversation uh, for the district. So our next question really talks about, you know, you all come from uh, the same spot here in Naval Park and have gone on to very different career paths. And in your respective industries, what opportunities are out there for students? Uh, what would they do? What would they do if they wanted to follow a similar path or work in a similar field? We certainly know that's something that our middle school and high school kids are thinking about. Uh, we definitely know that it's something our parents are thinking about a lot, as I think parents are very concerned. Uh, you know, cost of college and debt. And there's so many options right now for students and careers that are emerging that we didn't know existed uh, a short time ago. So maybe you can talk about that, like what opportunities are out there and what would you kind of tell someone who want to follow in your footsteps a little bit? Yeah, I'm happy to to jump right in um, just to, to set the stone. You know, my industry right now, I would just you know, quantify as government slash politics, right? And those are both overlapping, but different pathways you can use to get there. Um, number one is intern, 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 followed by volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. Um, and there's a number of ways you could do both of those, right? Um, I had three internships in public service while I was in college in different levels of government, um, both on the paid and unpaid side, right? And seeing all of that at different levels um, was a huge contributing factor of like what I thought I wanted to do or didn't want to do, right? And the other side of that coin, uh, coin for volunteering is, you know, like politics is cool again, right? Especially to kids, um, there's, younger, there's younger folks elected to office and people wanna know what they're doing and how they do it, right? There's a thousand different ways to volunteer on a campaign, right? I've volunteered on a number myself and it's, you know, not just a way to see how that world works, but you learn so much while you're doing it. Every elected in this day and age has platforms that are 10 pages longer than what they even were 20 years ago. Climate is important, you know, equal rights are important. There is so much to see and do and I think finding what you're interested in and maybe what you're not interested in is a really good way to do it because people who are running on specific environmental platforms and you volunteer for their campaign, you just found out that maybe you want to work at a nonprofit for an, for environmental change, right? It is a huge platform to just discover what you're interested in. And I like wouldn't change any of my good or bad experiences in any of those um, paths because they, they help you get where you're going. Right. Um, so my, you know, my takeaways are, you know, I'm been in government for eight years. I've had been in public service for eight years. It, if you want to even do a small part of making a difference, this is a great way to do it. And it opens up a ton of doors just by walking in that first one. Right. Um, so that's, yeah. that's my advice, at least to get in this field and on top of, you know, I know this is also our last question, but I'm going to steal a little bit of the thunder. It's just, and I think some folks have said it, try everything, say yes to everything. And, and you always just keep connections of people who you've spoken to or who helped you 
you know, it's it's help each other every step of the way in, in my industry. And I imagine in many folks on this call, um, but it's- Yeah, so I agree with, I, Molly took the essence, I think of everything, right? It's, it's <laughs> interning, it's yeah. important things. Those are the things that matter. And I work in biomedicine and I've been uh, training pre-med students for a long, long time, right? And the best way to get into medical school is to have research experience or clinical experience, some kind of experience, right? Before mm -hmm. you get there. Your grades, they matter. Your test scores matter, but you're going to get into those schools if you have some kind of experience. You're going to go to the top if you have experience. So really into trying to get, you know, if you really want, you know, I'm not talking about when you're you're 16 or 17, but maybe your first couple of years in college. Intern, you know, work it if you're trying to get into medicine. Volunteer in a lab. You know, just just go to, you know, these professors are sitting in their office like myself, just, you know, basically falling asleep. You call us, we'll try to help, right? We're about helping, right? It's nurturing people. And sometimes you forget that, you know, I was once a 15-year-old high school student, right? I want to help you, right? And so I think that's important for kids and parents to realize is that, you know, people in these jobs, they want to help. Part of why we're in these jobs is to nurture people and see people advance, right? So we're always trying to... Uh, help young the next generation uh, take our jobs, right? That's the goal. That's what we want to do. I will uh, reiterate that. I mean, as another professor, right? I sit in my office all day and usually nobody wants to talk to me. But, uh, right, I, I love talking to, you know, even high school students. It's interesting to just, you know, talk about the pros and cons of becoming a history professor. And I guess I will say, you know, I, I, I'm in a career that has famously sort of imploded uh, over the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, right? I mean, I don't, maybe people don't know this if they're not in academia, at least if you're not a humanities professor, but, you know, it's much harder to get a job now as a professor in a field like history. Um, and the jobs that are out there tend to be less attractive than they were because a lot of them are not tenure track anymore. Um, and, you know, so for that reason, a lot of people I think are afraid of getting a history PhD. And, you know, I think it's important to have realistic expectations. I mean, just having a PhD in history certainly doesn't mean you're going to get a job. I was really, really lucky to get a job and then end up getting another job that actually let me, you know, come back and live in this area again. Um, I was like extremely, extremely lucky to do that, actually, because, you know, people who do get jobs usually have to go somewhere totally random if they want to be a professor. Um, but that said, you know, I, I am really happy that I got a PhD in history. One thing I didn't know when I was in high school is that you can actually get paid to get a PhD in history. Like any decent history PhD program will not only you not have to pay tuition, but they'll pay you a small stipend, right? You're not going to get rich, but I think my stipend started out at like $17,000, which was a lot of money to me when I was, you know, 22 years old and fresh out of college. I was like, finally, I have an income instead of having to pay the university a bunch of money. So, you know, it's worth doing for the experience. I guess there's an opportunity cost and, you know, in that you're in graduate school and earning almost no money when you could like, you know, go get a job after college and presumably earn more money. But still, you know, I spent five years getting a PhD. I got to spend half that time living in Paris. Um, and, you know, for me, it worked out in the end, but even if it hadn't, I think I'd still be happy with that experience. So I guess the takeaway from all of this is, you know, don't be afraid to uh, do things, even if there's not a really safe and secure career payoff. I mean, I'm sensitive to the fact that some people have, you know, greater leeway than others in terms of how much risk they can take and how much of a safety net they have. I didn't really have a safety net. I don't come from an affluent family. My parents had no idea how any of this stuff worked, right? They didn't know that you get paid to get a PhD. I guess that ties me back to my point about like, talk to your professors, talk to teachers, right? I mean, these are people who know how things work that your own family may not really know about. And, you know, even though they might seem like stuffy people or pretentious people, right? 
Uh, they're not usually. I mean, again, I mean, but part of the fun of being a professor is getting to talk to young people all day long. So take advantage of that if you are a young person. Yeah, and to piggyback on that, like my industry is, um, you know, it's unique where it's it's hard to, you know, really, it's really hard to break in if you didn't play college sports, you know, it's um, tough to be a coach like that. Um, but what I'd say is like Molly and everyone has said, like I spent every summer in college packing up my Honda Civic, going to work camps, going to work all sorts of jobs um, to meet college coaches. And I did a lot of things that had nothing to do with coaching basketball, but I met people that said, Hey, when I need something done, that guy's, really dependable and it ended up being that my first job i got um, was someone that i worked for at a camp doing nothing to do with basketball his former boss was roommates with my current head coach in college and said hey if you need a guy that'll do whatever it takes he'll be there till 11 p.m whatever here's your guy and i've been with him ever since i've been with him for five years so you really gotta you know what you're doing in terms of an internship or things like that, it may not be exactly what you want to do with your career, but you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel is just keep your head down and do what you're being asked, do the best that you can do and try to take on more. Um, and again, in my industry, like you don't get into college coaching. Everybody sees the big salaries at Kentucky. You don't get into it at my level for the money. You do it because I, you know, I don't feel like I have a job. I'm on call 24 seven. I feel like it's not a job. It's, I just love it. So, um, you know, I just did a lot of things that, you know, you'd sit in, in bed at night and you'd say, hey, is this going to pay off for me? But if you just keep your head down and do a good job, whether that's interning, whether that's working at a restaurant in high school, et cetera, you know, people notice that that's someone that can be dependable and it all, you know, starts to develop a professional reputation. Yeah, I mean, for me, for my field, I'll focus on the voice of acting and not necessarily the radio side because radio's just been downsizing so much so it's kind of that's a waste of time it's really difficult to get into it uh, and make a make a good living in a short amount of time but as a voiceover actor there's so many resources that are out there i've had three people i think in the last month and a half reach out to me like how do i get into voiceover acting how do i do this and that and i just i kind of funnel them to a various uh, groups on on social media that have like a hundred professionals that are willing to give you all the advice you need uh for free and then there's courses you can take and it, literally you can kind of get off the ground with only a few thousand dollars invested as a voiceover actor. Now you also have to have some talent you, you can take classes, acting classes. You have to find out what your niche is initially as a voiceover actor, what your, what your strength is build upon that and then branch out because I started out as a, as an impressionist and then as an announcer. And now I've built myself doing technical videos, you know, video game stuff, and still commercials, radio commercials, TV commercials, all, all that good stuff. But you learn that. And there's so many resources I wish I had 10 years ago <laughs> that are out there now. And it's just a simple Google, a simple, um, you know, a couple a couple Google searches. And you can join a couple free sites and there's various auditions. And then you learn the business aspect. And there's various people that are out there. They'll teach you the business aspect, how to, uh, your brand, your website, your look, your demos. Again, focus on your strengths classes to expand yourself so that's what I, I mean that's what i would say if people want to get into the industry and also be nice be kind to people always be kind arrive early ever get booked arrive 15 minutes early you know make sure you've got your water you've got you're all lined up you got your snack and always say uh when the when the producer the director goes hey try it this way you think you can do it absolutely sure we got it even though you've never done it before you just, you just do it and they're like oh that sounds good you're like 
wow, I proved that to myself. I've never done that before. It worked out. That's always my advice. Just be kind. You never know how, um, how it's going to work out. Quick story, too. I was in a session a couple of years ago. I was booked for an hour, and it was the worst recording session I've ever had in my entire life. I walked out dizzy. Like, I was dizzy. I couldn't even drive. I, my head was spinning. Um, not figuratively. I was dizzy because I've never <laughs> had to deal with, uh, deal with what I dealt with. And three years go, go by, and all of a sudden I get an email from the same company that booked me for a different project. They said, you were so much fun to work with. You were so easy to work with. Would you like to work on this project? Much bigger, a lot more money. And I was the voice of a college for four years because I was nice, kind, and on time. A little bit of talent, too, you know, pu pushing my ego aside. But if I was terrible, they wouldn't call me back. But just the idea, again, be nice, be kind, be on time, smile, and fake it till you make it. Well, I think you mentioned something, too, in there that applies to everything, right, is that the world's different than when I was trying to go on the job market and stuff, right, where we work, we, well, I've been working at the same place for a very long time, right? This generation is probably going to switch jobs a lot, right? And a lot of the talents they have are going to have to be entrepreneurial, business, understanding how to, you know, have these broad scopes that are different. And so, you know, treat yourself as an entrepreneur and do all those things you were saying, right? You hustle for yourself, right? And the things you do in one place may have great applications at the next, right? Because you're probably going to be switching jobs a lot because that's the new the new economy is going to charge that, which is very different than my economy that I grew up in. You're right, Kendall, too. And, and as a voiceover actor, like I, I would say, especially starting out, have yourself a full-time job. Have yourself, you know, something. You got the income to sustain your bills and, and you know, get along. And then you can build the, your relationships with clients or, again, through different platforms. And, and you can potentially, you know, transition from your full-time job that you like, hate, or in between, whatever, and then transition into a full-time voiceover actor and, and all that stuff. But, yeah, the classes are out there. The people are that, that are out there. The community is very supportive too, as well as a voiceover actor. And I just that, and just to go ahead, Molly. Yeah, that put on a light bulb for me, and I'm gonna put on my my work hat just for a moment. And something that we talk about here a lot is, and what I think folks were just leaning towards is like transferable skills, right? Just because you worked a minimum wage job at a restaurant doesn't mean you can't transfer it transfer it into an incredible job in an industry that maybe you really care about, right? The the, that minimum wage job, you can stay in that industry if you want to for as long as possible, or you can take what you learned and turn it into something that you care about, one of your passions, make it more. There's that one job or that first experience doesn't put you in that box the rest of your life. Like my first job was at Tri-City Valley Cats. I don't work at Tri-City Valley Cats anymore, <laughs> but if I wanted to, I, I was in the door and I you go from there, right? But every every one of those jobs along the way you take some of something from it with you and just keep building it into into where you go next and in every experience you experience you know put it in your 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 portfolio and grow your portfolio and and go from there i just think that's really important to say to young people because you know if they're sitting at the counter at Oh my God, Dobies, if that still exists, and you're working the cash register, um, you're going to learn something there that you're going to take with you to another job. And maybe you wouldn't have gotten that experience or that lesson if you didn't do that thing. Like you're not just sitting there, sitting on your phone, looking at Twitter, as I'm sure some children do, but there's there's more to it. And, and doing that and taking it with you and understanding the value in it, I think is probably lost on some folks in the 15-year-old range. It was lost on me, but looking back, it is, was so important to like the larger journey for lack of a better term. So I think that's important for, for young folks to hear as well. 
is Dobie still allowed? I it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Good stuff. The last the last thing I'd just say is, you know, I, I didn't really have a path to where I was getting and I would say if I can help anyone at all, like, hey, I I get emails all the time. Obviously, you can email people all the time and most won't respond, but some will. And, you know, if there's a student at Averill Park that says, hey, how do I want, I want to work in sports, maybe not basketball, maybe not college basketball, like feel free, send me an email. Um, would love to help any way that I could. I'm sure everyone else on the call would agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's a great offer. I really appreciate that. And I think what we can do is uh, we have all of your email addresses, obviously, so we can get that out in the description uh, of the podcast or in the, the notes or what have you. So it'll be out there for people who do want to follow up with any of our alums who are on the call and uh, have, have taken this much time. This has been excellent. I really want to thank you. Uh, it's been a very engaging and thoughtful conversation that I think is really beneficial for our students and our parents and uh, the folks that work here, your t former teachers and coaches and administrators, really, really appreciate you taking the time. I think this has been outstanding. And thank you very much for doing this. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. See you next time on Every Student, Every Day.